Three, two, one, let's go! Welcome back to Mission Forge. Thank you for joining me. I'm Bobby Jankovic. I'm the broker of Remax Capital. And Mission Forge is where iron sharpens iron. Today, I've got, I don't know, it's not a very exciting topic. I like it a lot, but it's extremely valuable for real estate professionals and also for the consumer. So we're going to talk about CMA and appraisal in the field of real estate. And this is an overview. Um, you can get extremely in-depth on these topics, but this is a good, solid overview. And I have performed easily 10,000 CMAs in my career. I uh, used to do it, still do on occasion, um, for banks wanting to know what the value of properties are. I have never performed an appraisal. I am not an appraiser. Um, but as a real estate broker, I am qualified to deliver a CMA. And so we're going to talk about that. And I think this is <clears throat> developed in large part for new people in the field of real estate. However, it is appropriate for anybody in the field of real estate and anybody, frankly, interested in selling, buying, or um, investing in, in property. So let's get going. Um, just a quick checklist. Um, when this is done, I want you to make a point to know how to perform a CMA in your MLS. I'm a little surprised when I do talk to agents uh, who are in practice they don't know how to perform a CMA. Um, CMA is comparative market analysis. Um, I've also heard it referred to as a BPO or a broker price opinion or some combination thereof. Um, this is probably one of the number one things that you can bring to the table uh, when you are working with a consumer and it doesn't matter if it's a buyer and it doesn't matter if it's a seller. And frankly, uh, these can be done on uh, rentals as well. So you might want to, if you're going to be working property management, you might want to know how to perform one for a, uh, a tenant or a landlord. So you've got to just jump into your MLS and tinker around. It's not a terribly complicated process, um, but you need to know how to do that you should be able to identify three to six comparable properties. Uh, also, you should know the subject criteria, including distinguishing features and limiting features, and you should have some sense of the value of those. A CMA should be seen as a forward-looking instrument, <clears throat> whereas an appraisal is not. An appraisal is a picture in time, and deals with rear-facing um, support only. An appraised value in most cases on a property, <clears throat> excuse me, will need to match or exceed the sales price. 
Notice it's not always, but in most cases. And you should have a basic understanding of adjustments. And I've got a list that I can share with you. Um, I'd like to give you some action items regarding CMA and appraisal. I think you should get in and practice running CMAs on properties that you know. This could be your own house. This could be a friend's house. This could be your mother's house. And you should practice and you should be able to run a CMA in about five or 10 minutes. Of course, you can spend longer and you should. If you're developing one for a consumer, there's lots of ways you can make it easily uh, polished and distinguishable to stand out. However, sometimes if you're going to talk about a property, you should be able to rattle off a CMA fairly quickly in your um, MLS uh, online. And you want to be able to qualify that saying, hey, look, I've taken a quick look at the information and this is the way I feel about it. Um, of course, subject to further in-depth analysis and review of the property. Those types of statements would be good. Um you're going to compare homes that are similar in age, style, location, and you want to have them be of recent sale. It's also somewhat appropriate to take a look at your pendings and your actives. Now, that becomes a whole discussion later, and you don't want to weight your, your CMA down with actives and pendings because... We don't know, we just don't know how those are going to close out. But if your market is slammed with actives, that's going to impact your CMA. All right, so this is where you become a market expert. The adjustments that we've referred to below are going to level the playing field, okay? I kind of want you to not think about apples and oranges, but think about maybe, you know, Granny Smith apples and Golden Delicious apples, all right? Your, your, your adjustments are going to level the playing field. As far as historical comparable properties, let's start by looking back in three-month increments. See what you can pull in the last three months. All right, because that's the most relevant, isn't it? Well, sometimes three months doesn't do it, and you've got to go back six. And sometimes you have to go back further. I think once you go beyond a year, there's a little bit of a stretch factor. However, with certain properties, you have to go back 18 months, sometimes even two years, with the qualification that there were no other properties available. Okay, so start short and extend out as needed to get the data that you need. And then you comment about the limiting factors, lack of available data. Okay, other thing I'm going to tell you is you might have to look at different sources to locate that data. You don't necessarily want to limit yourself to a single MLS. There are other sources to get this data. All right. And you don't want to go out of the area. You want to stay, ideally, you're in the same subdivision. Well, that's not always practical, is it? You know, different market areas have different limitations. If it's a subdivision that has 2,000 houses, you probably ought not go out of that subdivision. 
because there should be plenty of market data within a three or four month period to provide you the three to six comparables that you need. However, not every subdivision is like that. In fact, there are homes that don't even belong in a subdivision, uh, to a subdivision. So what do you do? Um, it's common to use distance as a limiting factor. Uh, you have to consider the density of the area. Is it a urban setting? Is it a suburban setting? Is it a rural setting? Okay, well, if it's a rural setting, it might be okay to go out 10 miles. All right, certainly be okay to go out three or five miles. But if you're in an urban setting, there's no way you should be stretching out that far, okay? Um, suburban, everyone's different. Every part of it's different. So it just depends on your market knowledge. And here's a clue. The AVMs, I'm sorry, Let me. Let, that's for another segment of this. There's the online valuation tools that you see, they can't perform this level of analysis because it's it, it's just a computer with algorithms and has no sense or no ability to know these things, at least not yet. All right, here's some best, best practices for CMA and appraisal. You need to understand the VA, FHA, and conventional guidelines. Now, this is not in relation to CMA. This is in relation to appraisal. They have different guidelines that will require the appraisers to attach possible conditions to an appraisal. This property is valued at 200000 subject to the following list of conditions. And those conditions are going to fall from the guidelines. One that always stands out is a handrail on steps. Greater than three steps, FHA is going to require a handrail. And that is a, that's a pretty popular snag. So if you're, for instance, sitting at a house, listing it, uh, listing presentation, and you noted you walked up four stairs and there, there weren't, were no handrails, it's your time to educate the seller on a possible limiting factor of the sale of that house. Okay, it's always better to be on the front end of these things. Once an appraiser calls you, okay, you're the listing agent, you're going to get the call. Once that appraiser calls you, be a resource for that person. You should also have documents available for review or delivery that, that deal with important upgrades. Okay. You should stay up on the trends in the market because they may influence the report. If it's dead, it's dead. If it's kicking, it's kicking. All right. You should have a basic understanding of how long days on market a, a listing can be expected to be there. You know why? Because sometimes you're asked to give an accelerated sale value or, you know, something that if I need to sell my house within 30 days, it might be different than if I tell you I'm not super motivated and I can take the normal time, which might be different. It might be 75, it might be 90 days. Those prices are going to be different. An appraiser will work through the listing agent. So be ready, be expecting the call. 
Okay, they're not going to contact the buyer's agent. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Let's see. The buyer hires and pays for the appraisal, but doesn't get to choose the appraiser. The appraiser is chosen by the bank, and then that appraiser contacts the listing agent, who may or may not meet them there and help give them data to perform the appraisal. And then that appraisal is given to the buyer and not to the seller. So it's a very interesting, complex process. I want you to understand bracketing. Your appraiser is going to try to do bracketing. And you should consider bracketing when you're doing your CMA. Now, bracketing is, um, if you've got, let's just pick some easy numbers. You've got a 2,000 square foot house. You want at least one of your comps to, and a comp is a comparable property, you want one of your comps to um, be smaller than that. Let's say 1,800, 1,900 square feet. And yet you want another one to be larger than that. Say 2,100 or 2,250 square footage. That brackets the subject. And that makes everybody feel good, okay? Bracketing makes you feel, it's like a hug. It's like a, it's like a data hug. And same thing with age. If you can get one that's a little younger and one that's a little older, okay? They, they, they appreciate that. Um, don't compare apples to oranges. Clear example would be, a, condom, a condominium-owned property, let's say a condo and a townhouse. Nope, can't do it. Totally different ownership, totally different dues structure, all kinds of different implications, and it's a nasty comparison. You can't smooth that out with adjustments. It just doesn't work. And you just avoid it. Another example would be... Um, you know, a duplex in a single family. That that wouldn't work. Just like you wouldn't do a regular single family detached and a townhouse. Even on a little bit finer, if you can keep all the same property types, for instance, Cape Cod compared to three or four different Cape Cods, that's a little bit harder to do because you might get a property that is a rarity in the marketplace. And, you know, Cape Cod's a pretty good example around here. Not terribly common. Well, so if my goal is to stay in that subdivision, I may have to stretch out and include some colonials. I may have to include some ranch properties. But when possible, try to compare the same property style to the same property style. Certainly, though, property type to property type. You can deal with that. You can't deal with different property types. So you're going to want to consider the market, as I said. You're also going to want to consider AVMs. And I alluded to this earlier. When I am doing a CMA, I like to look at four or five different data points. And I, I'll just write them down. I'll look at, and this is my next several points. I want to look at the AVMs. AVM is Automated Valuation Model. And that just is a fancy word for just think of like a Zillow or a Trulia. And if you type in your address or the subject address into your search engine, you're going to get several pop up. Realtor.com will have one. Zillow will have one. Trulia will have one. Um, 
most of your large brokerages will put put one out there. I know Remax does. Um, and you want to take a look at those and just scribble down what what is the AVM saying on this, okay? I want to know also what the tax assessed value is on the property. What is the county saying the sucker is worth, okay? And then I also want to pay attention to past sales. I don't even care if they're recent, but I want to see if this thing has sold four or five times over the last 15 years. I want to know what those are, okay? And I also want to know if it's been on the market and not sold, okay? Because that's that's a negative example of value, especially if it's recent. Well, it looks like they tried to sell it for 200000 you know, last month. Wouldn't you want to know that? So now I've got almost like a scattershot pattern of what a lot of different people are saying this house is worth. And and you got to remember, not a single one of them is the expert. They're just opinions. Our tax function in MLS also provides an AVM and a range, which I really appreciate. And so that would be a, another point that I would put on. All right. Now, you oughta and you gotta regarding CMA and appraisal. You have to be willing to use your CMA to defend your listing price, okay? And your sales price. If you're going in to a listing and you're getting pressure from the seller to go high, list high, you need to explain straight up, that's great, I don't recommend it. However, here's your big problem with that. Should a buyer come along, I don't think they will, but should a buyer come along and we're priced 25000 over the market, what's going to happen when that appraiser shows up? What's going to support that sales price? And the answer is nothing. And the bank won't have it. The bank just is not going to put itself over a barrel because somebody is willing to pay 25000 more than the market will bear, okay? And they need to understand that should it get to that, you have wasted everybody's time, energy, and effort getting to the point where the appraiser has shown up and said, no rubber stamp here, sorry, try again. Now, who's going to make up that twenty-five? okay? Question mark question mark, question mark. Who's going to make up that 25? Well, the buyer sure as heck isn't. Now, if it's 2,500, all right, that's a little different. Sometimes there are ways to make it work, but, but it's still a really, really big problem and it may not have a solution. Okay. So that's a really important point as a listing agent. And your CMA is the starting point. If you can pull that CMA out when the appraiser shows up and say, here you go. Now, sometimes the appraisers, they don't want it. And that's fine. You have to respect that. Sometimes they'll ask you, how did you come to this price? Well, let me share that with you. Let me send you my CMA or hand it to them at the property. Okay? Because you have you have founded your your list price and the, the sales price in in reality. And they have to consider that. That's one of the things. If you give them 
comparables, they have to they have to consider them. And so that's a, a pro tip too for later. Don't give them 30 properties, all right? If you're gonna take the time to give them something, give them something pithy, all right? Give them some very focused material, like a good CMA. You wanna make, you oughta and you gotta make the appraiser's job as easy as possible. And that's gonna be different for every appraisal appraiser. Some appraisers, carry our real estate keys and can gain access without your help. Others need your assistance getting to the property. Hey, guess what? It's your job. And, and pro tip, the easier you make their job, the happier they are when they're working on your product. Okay. Now I'm just going to say that. All right. Why would you want a grumpy person performing this this product. In a, in a perfect world, it's the same product coming out, the same value, but we want to make their job easy. We want to provide them access on their terms. If you've got a prior appraisal from the seller, share it with, with the appraiser, especially the sketch. All right. If you can save them time and not having to redo a sketch, Hey, that's valuable, especially if the, the floor plan is not in dispute, all right? If there's an addition or something like that or conversion, that doesn't apply. But if it's, you know, if it's a 50 by 30 rancher, give them the sketch, all right? You just saved them 15 minutes, all right? That's good stuff. Again, you ought to and you got to understand the guidelines. Now, you're not a lender. You don't have to be an expert but just know the parameters. You need to also, ADA and GATA, understand what obvious appraisal showstoppers are. Okay, there's certain things. Hey, that's not going to fly. Sorry, guys, hole in the floor. There's no sense doing this unless we're going to go for a cash buyer. All right, you're getting a loan. You got to know that certain things are going to be required. You want to cancel the seller and the buyer, as I've mentioned, on the importance of the appraisal function. And that's a, that's a double conversation. It's one for each. You should know who pays for, who orders, and the approximate cost of the appraisal. Okay, they've gone up. They've gotten more expensive. They used to be 360 bucks. Now they're north of 500 You want to be able to update your CMA as the market changes. And you should be willing to run different CMAs using different approaches and tactics. If you're not sure if there's a question mark, you know, sometimes I'll run one. Here's an example. Here, sometimes I'll run one based off location and then, you know, make it location centered. And then the other time I might do it and make it centered on the actual style of the house. So that kind of came back to my thing about ranches. Well, let's say there are no other ranchers in uh, first colony subdivision. So I'll run a CMA first colony subdivision regardless of the property type. And then I'll go out, say five or six miles and then do a ranch only subdivision. I mean, a ranch only CMA. And then I can compare the two. And what kind of conversation can I have with the seller after I've done that? I can have a really good conversation. Okay. All right. Pitfalls overpricing a listing, taking a contract higher than expected appraised value. Big pitfall as earlier discussed. Know that if you if you don't know that your loan type will and 
influence the appraisal guidelines, you may be in for a pitfall. If you don't realize that FHA and VHA appraisals can stay with the property for a period of time, even if the deal doesn't work out, you could be in for a pitfall. Appraisals can be challenged, but only by the buyer. Okay. I've seen it happen before, but it's pretty rare. When an appraisal comes in low, why would a buyer say, excuse me, I want to pay more? You know, they don't do that. They, they're like, uh, yeah, let's lower the price, everybody, because that's what the appraiser said. All right, that doesn't happen. Although on rare occasions, it can. The buyer can say, look, I really need this house. I really want this house. I'm willing to pay what I offered. Let's challenge this sucker. Okay, so it can happen, but it, it not it counterintuitive? <laughs> you know, the seller cannot challenge it. I mean, the seller can refuse to come up with the difference, I guess that's a form of challenge. All right. You have to understand that are, when the market is hot and the values are increasing, it's hard for the appraisers to come up. Because remember, appraisal is not forward-looking. They don't have, they're not, they're not counting so much on the, the actives and the pendings. They're looking at the souls, what's taking place. If things are popping up 12, 15% a year, it's really hard and you got to expect these things, these hiccups are going to happen. All right, on to some capital tips before we wrap it up. All right, three appraisal types, okay? You've got a sales comparison. That's the most common. That's what I've spent all this time talking about. But did you know there's two others? There's a cost approach, okay? How much would it cost to build the sucker from the ground up? Okay, and that, that's a good one for, say, like a new construction or um, even like a commercial property. Um, how about an income approach, you know, for like an apartment or some rental properties or like a triplex or a commercial? How much rent will this produce? And then they can capitalize on that, that information and they can come up with a value. It's really fascinating how, how much it works. Income capitalization approach. Just knowing that those other approaches are out there is important. Um, okay. Before we close out, I said that I would give some adjustment amounts. Okay. This is market specific. All right. I know it's not going to be the same for everybody in every market, but your bedrooms, and it's going to be different for large expensive homes and it's going to be different for smaller this is just kind of give you a thumbnail approach all right bedroom four thousand dollars so if you're comparing a three bedroom and a four bedroom if you want to even that playing field that three that three bedroom house you need to add four thousand bucks to it all right if you want to call this an even appraisal and you're using a three and four, you gotta increase. The other way to do it is you gotta take that four bedroom and decrease it by 4,000 if your subject is the three, okay? Your full bath is gonna be $2,500. Your half bath is gonna be 1,500. This next one is the biggest adjustment point in CMAs, and it's square footage, gross living area, not the unfinished stuff just your living space. 
It's a little bit complicated, but it's not terrible. You want to do 25% of the dollar per square foot. All right. So if if the houses are selling for 100 a square foot in that specific market, you're going to adjust by $25 per square foot. Okay. So 100 square foot difference. All right. Is going to have $2,500 in adjustment value. Okay. If it's 140 a square foot, you're going to be adjusting by $40 per foot. Okay. That this works really well when houses are on normal size lots. Okay. When you start dealing with homes on huge lots, you got to be careful because you're now valuing a home and 30 acres. Okay. It doesn't make sense to adjust square footage by the value of 30 acres. So you got to kind of pay attention. This is something that works really well with just your regular size homes and your regular size lots. A basement, um, let's say 8,000 if it's finished. If it's got like bathrooms and bedrooms and a kitchenette, that, that number may be, go higher. If it's just an unfinished basement where you can store stuff, we might be talking 6,000. Screen porch, I've got 6,500 on that. Again, what exactly are we talking about? If it's just a straight screen porch, we're talking 6,000, 6,500. If it's got all sorts of bells and whistles, you know, we might be talking 8,000. Fireplace, I'm in at 2,500 for an adjustment. Fence, 2,500. All right. Here's my garage rundown. Attached two car, $10,000 adjustment. Attached one car, $5,000 adjustment. Detached two car, $7,000. Detached one car, $3,500. All right, now let's deal with minor upgrades and updates. I'm going to give it just overall $10,000 adjustment. Major updates and upgrades, $20,000. All right, that's a good thumbnail sketch, all right? There's also stuff we didn't cover like age and size of lots and stuff like that. Your major one is going to be your square footage, all right? You start adjusting over adjusting. If there's too many adjustments, too large of changes, that's kind of a signal that you had to really piece this thing together. The fewer adjustments, the better. Just keep that in mind. Look, I hope that was helpful to you. Um, Overall, CMA appraisal is not the most exciting thing in the world, but it is extremely valuable to understand. And I think it's one of the most important functions that we can bring to the table as real estate practitioners. And in talking with our consumers about it, we can really help walk them down a path of logic to properly pricing their property. Check me out on Facebook. Check out the group page Mission Forge on Facebook, where I encourage you to share and participate on content that is supportive of sharpening each other to become better at what we do. Iron sharpens iron, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I look forward to talking to you next time.